0: Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning, Lord. Yes, Lord, there's no other way for any one of us but to trust and obey, to be happy in you, to delight in your ways. Lord, this morning, even as we meditate upon your word, I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will delight in your law because you said blessed is the one who delights in the law and in his law. He meditates day and night. And this morning, Father, we want to delight. We don't want to uh, think about your word as something hard, but Lord, something which will deliver, which will cleanse, which will exhort. For it is through the washing of the water by the word that you sanctify us, that you set us apart by by your truth, so that we may be made clean and be ready as a spotless bride without wrinkle, For your coming, O Lord Jesus. Gorgeously apparelled. Beautiful to behold. In the sight of the Lord. And therefore this morning, even as we meditate upon your words, speak to our hearts. Grant us grace, O Lord Jesus. To understand your ways. Anoint us afresh this morning. To understand and to obey. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at... uh, the mind, so minding our mind is what I wanted to look at this morning. You know, the two things we've, we've been looking at. We've been looking at the heart and the mind. Both are important. The heart, we know, speaks about attitude and the mind think, uh, speaks about our thought processes, our emo, uh, the way we think, our patterns of thinking. So you call your heart could be right, but your mind may not always be right. There could be what we call as strongholds. And that has to be dealt with every day until we meet Jesus. Uh, There's a fantastic verse in the Bible which I want to share with you. Um it's kind of contradictory, you know. It's it's remarkably uh interesting. If you look at this is first Kings chapter fifteen, <clears throat> verse four. This is talking about Asa, a righteous king. This is what is mentioned about Asa. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. That's remarkable, isn't it? (laughs) That you could have high places in your life and your heart is loyal to the Lord. And he's not a bad king, by the way. Okay. See, this is so important. It's not just important for you to have your heart right. God knows my heart, absolutely. But he also wants to see your mind. What is there in your mind? You see, David's heart was absolutely right when he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And he, he, he said, I'm dwelling in uh, in uh, houses made of sedar. How can the Lord dwell in tents? Was his argument. Not a not a bad argument, right? But then, of course, he, the way he brought the Ark of the Lord into Jerusalem Tried to bring rather, invited the judgment of God because it was not done in His ways, right? And then uh, Uzzah was struck down, dead. And it says David was angry, and then he was afraid, and then he was wondering as to how to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into Jerusalem. You see, see, these are things that we need to understand. Therefore, heart and mind both are important. A lot of people have a heart which is right, but the mind which is totally gone. Okay, the attitude is right, but the ways are wrong. I know a lot of young people who are like that. I know, I know there are uh, some, um, I speak to a lot of people from different other churches also, a lot of people, at least a few other people who are from different other churches. And they all have a heart to do the right thing. Okay, uh, So they have these forums, uh, Right Theology Forum and all these other theo- other forums where what is happening, they're being trained to do the way, uh, do worship or to do worship or to do conduct the worship services in the ways of the Lord. You see, so very important for us to understand our heart could be right, but our ways also are important. Therefore, both have to be given to God and God in the new covenant, in the new covenant, he deals with both our attitudes and our minds, our thought processes. You know, Colossians chapter three, we actually, uh, renders this beautifully, uh, in the NIV version. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, right? Seated at the right hand of the Father or right hand of God. And then set your minds, both your heart, your minds. We sing that song now, my heart, my mind, my soul belongs to you, you see? On things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So this is so important for us to deal with both our attitudes and our thought processes. And therefore, coming with an attitude of humility becomes a very, very important uh, uh requirement or a prerequisite, if you will, to understand the ways of God. And this is essentially the the, 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 teaching of the new covenant, if you will. If you see in Hebrews chapter eight, there are three things which I mentioned. I'm going to read it from a few, a real few verses and I'm going to show you the order. Hebrews chapter eight, it says, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time declares the rod. I will put my laws where? In their minds. I will write them in their hearts. You see both the minds and the hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another. But when is this going to happen? Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. For I will forgive their wickednesses and will remember their sins no more. That is where it starts. First, our life starts, I mean, our Christian life starts by God just not forgiving our sins, but by not remembering our sins. It's a complete brand new life that we are given, a brand new start. And once we have a brand new start, verse 11 says, we need to, all of us will know God, meaning every one of us in the new covenant has a relationship with God. You know, in the old, in the old covenant, Israel was looked upon as a nation, but in the new covenant, every individual is important to God. Yes, we have, we are a body of Christ, but God is interested in the individuals in the body of Christ. So every individual in the body of Christ has to know him. And God says in the new covenant, it is possible for all of us to know him and hear his voice specifically for our our own situation, right? Even though I'm speaking and I'm teaching the word of God, honestly, every time you you listen to the word of God, God will speak to you corresponding to the situations that you're going through. It it happens all the time, Um, at least most of the time, if not all the time. And then he says, after he does that, he says, I will write my laws in their minds. I will put uh, my laws in their minds and I will write my laws in their hearts and I will cause them, cause them. So what is happening? He's going to change our attitude. And he's gonna change our thought processes. These are two important things, okay? So what, what has, but, but, otherwise what happens? We will become like Asa, we will follow the Lord loyally with, we might, our hearts might be loyal to God all the days of our life, but our high places may not be removed, and those things may become very significant in the long run. Alright? If you look at another, another king in 1 Kings chapter 22 verses 42 to 43, this is talking about Jehoshaphat. Um godly king again. Look at what it says. Jehoshaphat was thirty five years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for twenty-five years. His mother's name was Azubah daughter of Shili, Shilihai. He walked in all the way of Asa his father. The problem is he did not walk in the ways of David. (laughs) In Asa his father, he did not turn aside from it doing what is right in the sight of the Lord, yet The high places were not taken away and the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Now think about this. This is important. Now, whom are they offering those sacrifices to in the high places? Excuse me? It is not to Baals or Ashtoreth. They were, they were offering those sacrifices to, to God. Now, why is this significant? We'll look at this. Again, we'll, we need to understand the significance of this as to why these high places are important and what these high places in this particular context actually signify, right? Look, look at another king. This is another godly king. Not a bad king. Second Kings chapter 12. This is talking about Joash or Jehoash. In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Notice that. Again, but the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense, albeit to Jehovah. But where? In the high place. Let me tell you what those high places are. See, whenever you wanted to sacrifice, the place where you were supposed to go to is Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, this place is too long. Who's going to go all the way to Jerusalem? So what, what is, okay, you're worshipping God. Okay, fine, no problem. But it what happens is, this is what we call as a, you make God into a God of convenience. And most, most often, most often, You don't want to pay the price. See, okay. Which so, for example, if you go to a new city, where do you choose your home? Close to your office or close to the church? It's very important. Right, close to your office, close to your church. These things are important. See, Jerusalem signifies a spiritual high place, the ultimate place. That is the reason why when they go to Jerusalem, they sing what? Song of? Song of? Ascents or degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to ascend into into Jerusalem. And even as you ascend, you have to shed weight. You can't carry weights uphill, right? So that is a physical walk, of course. But even when we are going to God, to God is always come up and it will always cost us. But the problem is, we have high places, and we make a god of convenience. That's a, it's a dangerous thing. How do I know this? How do I? How did you? How did I come to this conclusion? Look at this. Look at what it says. One king who actually dealt with the high places, and it says this king followed Jehovah like not their fathers, but like their father who David, and was who, our king. One example is Second Kings chapter 18, and you know this king very well. His name is Hezekiah. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, no, Ahaz was like bad news, okay, bad king, okay. Now, let me tell you, it doesn't mean just because your parents did not have, okay, those spiritual uh, inclinations, it does not mean that we as the next generation should not have spiritual inclinations, okay. And just because your parents were godly does not mean become, you are going to automatically become godly, you know. Every generation has to make the choice. Notwithstanding who, were, who, who your parents were. Okay, Every generation. Okay, So then it says, Hezekiah the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became the king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, a daughter of Zechariah. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father, what? David had done. So what did he do? Look at the next verse. He First thing, removed the high places. Now look at this, my dear brothers. Look at how what is a what is an important thing which is being mentioned along with this information that has been given about Hezekiah. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made for up for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it, calling it Nehustan. Okay. In other words, the cross lost its news. I mean, its 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 effect because the message of the cross was not being preached. And then, and it goes it goes on to say in Second Chronicles chapter thirty. Look at what it says. Verse uh, one onwards. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Ephraim and wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord where at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord of Israel. For the kings and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem agreed to keep the Passover when. In the second month. Okay, no, they were supposed to keep in the first month, the month of Aviv. But they they changed. Why? Because all these fellows were making a God of convenience. And he says, no way, you have to come to Jerusalem. Verse 3. For they could not keep it at the regular time. Why? Next verse. Because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves. One thing. Nor did the people gather together at Jerusalem. You see. That's convenient. I can't go. Let me just sacrifice in the high places. And the matter pleased the king and all the assembly. So they resolved to make a proclamation throughout Israel from Beersheba to Dan that they should keep the Passover to the Lord of Israel as Jerusalem's since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. You see, high places. Okay. So high places are there in all of us in good people. The problem is not bad people. Yeah, the High places in good people. In high places in who, in Christians whose heart is, is, is loyal to God. But they still have thought processes and that is the reason why we have to come to the te- teaching of the Word of God. So if you have, if you have your heart which is right, then your heart, mind also has to be inclined toward God. Okay? So that is the reason why. Let's come to the New Covenant now. In Romans chapter 12, we know these verses very well. It says, do not be conformed to this world. To the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what does it do? What does it do? The mind has to be renewed. Metamorphosis. Transformed. Okay. From which we get the word metanoia, which again means repentance. In other words, repentance is a constant process. Trust. Obey. Trust. Obey. There is no other way. So you have to renew, renewing your mind constantly. Every time we listen to the word, it's always a confrontation with the thought processes in our mind, with the value systems of our mind, the categories of our mind. See, so your heart may be right. Just because your heart is right, it doesn't mean that you will understand the ways of God, unless you have those categories established in your mind. You see. You see. That is the reason why teaching of the word of God is constant. Slowly God has to build. For all scriptures given by the inspiration of God. Is profitable for what? For doctrine. That which is right. For reproof, That which is not right. For correction. How to get it right. For instruction in righteousness. How to stay in the right path. So that a man of God. Maybe. Thoroughly equipped for every good work and requires nothing. That's what it means. All right. Renewing your mind. Transformed in the mind. Being transformed. Being transformed is the word metamorphosis. Keep on changing and changing and being transformed into the image of a son. That you may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. In other words, you will never be able to prove the will of God unless you have a what mind? A transformed mind. The will of God is right there in front of your eyes, but you don't have the mindset to accept it. Okay, the will of God is right there, but you don't know it because you, you do not have the mindset, the categories. You no, know, for example, if if, if, you're, if you're teaching as a teacher, you would know. As a teacher, you would know. Unless and until a student has a some a, a particular background, you cannot teach him a particular subject. For example, if I have to, if you have to understand my language, my language, you should know English minimally. So if I speak in a, in Chinese, it's abs, it's, it's an uncertain sound to you because you don't have the categories for Chinese. Or I could speak to you in flawless Hebrew. What does it avail? I will only display. You see? So you, you need to have certain things in your mind so to be able to make connections and then to be able to prove, okay, this is the will of God for my life. This is the will of God. So you will never be able to prove the will of God or test the will of God unless and until you have a what mind? A transformed mind. So the the transformed mind has to have also, is only possible with a particular attitude. You know that, right? In uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we know this. uh, But you have not so learned Christ and then verse 23. And be uh, renewed in the spirit of your mind or the attitude of your mind. Other translations will use because, uh, Every uh, mind has a mindset or a thought or, or a point of view. Okay, that point of view has to be questioned, whether it is in accordance to the word of God or not. And again, another place, First Peter 4, chapter four, all my favorite verses. I'm going to just show this, the, this to you. Therefore, since Christ also suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with a what mind? With the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of the life for the lust of the flesh, but for the will of God. So if you transform yourself, you will understand the will of God. And once you have the will of God, you, I mean, you have the mind of Christ, you will begin to live out the will of God. Therefore, the question, therefore, to all of us is the same question God asked the children of Israel through Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14. O Jerusalem wash your heart from wickedness okay that is your attitude that you may be saved how long shall your evil thoughts what are they doing lodging they're renting space free of charge okay. <laughs> in fact you are paying <laughs> for them to stay <laughs> you see somebody said no what is bitterness? Bitterness is poison that you are drinking and asking your enemy to die. It's not going to be possible. You are drinking poison and you are know, asking, wanting your enemy to die. It's never possible. That's what Ahithophel. What? That's what happened to Ahithophel. Drinking poison. How to kill David? David. And ultimately, he went down and hung himself. Therefore, therefore, how do we deal with this? Second Corinthians chapter ten comes to our teaching for today. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It is war. Yesterday, I was just following the World Cup. Chess that is happening. It's very interesting. Okay, There are two guys, uh, the top two from India. India ranked 3 and India ranked 4. Vidit and uh, Adiban, they were fighting for the position, for a place in ground 4. And the commentators, when they're when they're when they're commenting on the game, they're saying these two are friends off the board, but when they are on the board, it is war. Now chess is war, actually. You know, you should see the (laughs) fantastic match. It was a it was a nail butter till the end. It's war. So how do we war? For we do not walk. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not what carnal, but they are mighty through God or in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now tell me, let me tell you, in other words, our weapons are not fleshly weapons. Our weapons are spiritual weapons. Okay. So for example, studying the word of God is a spiritual weapon. Prayer is a spiritual weapon. Fasting is a spiritual weapon. Why Why is fasting a spiritual uh, weapon? Remember when uh, uh, Jesus was, I mean, uh, when the disciples are not able able to cast out the deaf and dumb spirit and they come and ask Jesus, why were we not able to cast out the demons? And Jesus says, because? Because? No, 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 no. If you remember, because you do not have the faith. And then he says, but this kind does not come except through fasting and prayer now think about it what is required to drive out the demon faith so what will fasting and prayer cause excuse me generate faith See? so fasting and prayer generates faith is because through faith you access what the power of god so so therefore fasting is a spiritual weapon not feasting but Fasting. Regular times so of fasting. So, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling out of strongholds. So, how do, how are these strongholds pulled down? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is like warfare. Who are captive? Who are the captives over here? Not the people, but the But the thoughts, the thoughts are captive. How are they made captive? By strongholds. What are the strongholds? Two things, very very specifically mentioned. Imaginations and high things. Uh, Actually, the NKJV uses a translation, arguments. You know what the word for argument is in the original Greek. I'll give you different renderings. To argue is to compute. Okay, what is it? To compute, okay, computer, okay, a calculator essentially. Second, the word for argument is to account, (laughs) okay, is to reckon, is to reason, is to despise, etc. So, casting down arguments, that's the first thing, and every high thing which are, which exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So there are thoughts which are captured by strongholds. Those have to be released so that those thoughts can be brought to the obedience of God's word, right? So we have strongholds which are holding captives. I mean, I couldn't put, I just trying to imagine this, uh, imagine a stronghold which is holding captive your thoughts. Now, what? are the two things which are actually empowering this stronghold is first your arguments and second your high things or exalted things, whatever it is, which is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And these two are actually, there should be another uh, arrow over here, uh, arrow which actually both are very f- close friends, arguments and high things. This is an argument which causes the high thing and the high thing which empowers the argument. But I will be, will, men, will mention that. So wh- what is argument? See, argument is your chartered accountant. It's always calculating. Okay. What will happen if I make this reason? How do I escape this? You know, there's always a calculator inside of all of us. Okay. The chartered accountant. And the high thing is your philosopher. So you have one PhD degree and a CA degree. Okay. (laughs) So you have one, one chartered accountant and you have one philosopher. These two fellows have to be tackled so that you can release your Thoughts. What, what, how are we going to feed these people? 300 dinari calculator. Okay. Very fantastic calculations you make. Now we all make calculations. It's too expensive to follow Jesus. We always calculate. No, for example, if you are coming late, late to church. You are coming late to church because of your indiscipline. Okay. I, this my personal experience. So I'm driving in the car and I'm already calculating the reasons as to what I should tell the pastor. Okay, <laughs> The calculator. Okay. If I say this, this is a possible argument so that I'll be. Remember there's a, there's a verse in Romans chapter 2 verse 15. I didn't put it there. It says, their conscience bearing witness, their conflicting what? Arguments, actually, the word is the same word. Argument. They're conflicting arguments, either excusing them or accusing them. The problem is, there's there's no full stop after that verse, after that statement. There's a comma. A lot of us put full stop. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. There was this guy who sent a check of one hundred and one point five lakh rupees to the ITR. Anonymous, I mean, he made a DD, demand draft, no? When you make a demand draft, nobody knows (laughs) who sent a demand draft, okay? He sent a DD to the income tax department saying, 1.5 lakh rupees, sir, I cheat, last year I cheated on my taxes, and this is the money, and if I can sleep well tonight, this, depending upon how I sleep, I will decide to send the next check or not. understand? <laughs> you see, depending upon how well I can sleep, I will decide whether to write the next check or not. Okay. So, the problem is you put a comma. It says, their conflicting thoughts either excuse them or accuse them, you know, when? On that day, when God is going to judge the secrets of men through my gospel by that man Jesus Christ, then, ultimate accounting is going to happen there. Jesus also is a chartered accountant. Okay, here with here in our internal auditing, we can do a lot of things, right, Sami? Huh? I can explain it off to my auditor, internal auditor, and also to my uh, CA. Sir, this is what I did, and he will do the calculations. See that? That is the reason why it says the kingdom of God is like the one who settles accounts. You see, there is an accountant, and there is a philosopher the thinker. My Dad told me this long time back, when I was growing up. He said, Vijay, one American, one business. Two Americans, two business. Three Americans, paradise on earth. They have Disneyland. One German, one scientist. Two Germans, two scientists, three Germans, third world war. And then he said, Vijay, one Indian, philosopher. Two Indians, argument. Three Indians, confusion. You see, (laughs) we are very good at philosophy. I'll tell you something. The passion with which Easterners argue. You want to see the passion? You read the book of Job in Telugu. Oh my goodness! The arguer in Job! I've seen that language only in old movies. Where kings address themselves. Oh my goodness, the language I mean when you read it in English, you kind of lose the punch, and then what you read when you read it in Telugu, because we are all Easterners, all the emotion comes into the words. Have you seen when Telugus argue? Whew, family it's only full drama. Full drama. Crying, weeping, and arguing, and exactly exactly how Joe and his job and his friends are arguing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. My goodness, it's fantastic. I mean, I think we should make a movie out of it in Telugu. It's it'll really be great. The arguments are great. You see, so you have an argument and you have a high thing, and what is actually empowering these arguments is the exalted thing, and who's that exalted fellow? You yourself. We'll come to that fellow. Okay, the chartered accountant in you. And uh, the doctor of philosopher in you. (laughs) You have a PhD degree, no? See. So Colossians chapter 2. Look at what it says. Interesting uh, verse. As ye have therefore received Christ. KJV actually beautifully captures this. Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him. Okay. Rooted. Rooted and built up where? In him. And established in the faiths. As ye have been thought, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You see, these are all loaded verses. Maybe one whole day we can just meditate upon this. Then verse 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. What are these? There are after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, the elementary principles of this world. That they, they are according to the traditions of men and they are according to the elementary principles of this world. Let me tell you something. In the sight of God, it doesn't matter how exalted your earthly position is, it is elementary. bacha. For in Him, where? In who? In Christ. Dwelleth All the fullness of God, body. Remember, no, like Pastor was talking about, no? The Queen of Sheba came from somewhere to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and we all say, Solomon, bah, GPA 10 out of 10. IQ 9.8 out of 10. And then you know what Jesus says? Behold, greater than Solomon, macha. I said, just think about that statement. When we think about Solomon, we have all this imagination. Right? You would have answered questions like that. You would have tackled problems like that, and all kinds of things. Now, but who's greater than Solomon? Solomon is elementary. Hmm. Jesus is fullness of Godhead. Okay. So there are philosophers. There are chartered accountants in all of us, and both fellows have to be. Okay. So, first let us look at the charter content, his argument. Okay. What is this problem? What is this problem? You should understand the nature of the argument, how this argument comes, and what empowers this argument. What is that? The nature, how it comes, and what empowers. If you understand these three things, then you will be able to under you'll be able to tackle the stronghold. Otherwise, we'll be loyal to God with our heart. But the high places will be still, will still be there, I told you. Okay. So, he's saying in Telugu, he's a very nice man, but his character is very wrong. He doesn't think straight. So, it is very, very important for us to uh, understand this. We don't want to take these things lightly. So, let us look at arguments. The nature. First of all, the nature of this argument. How do these arguments come? What empowers these arguments? It is very, very important. Nature, how it comes and what empowers it. Hmm? Let us see. Arguments. Mark chapter 11. Hmm? Then they came again to Jerusalem. Let's read a few verses and then we will delve upon this passage. Then they came again to Jerusalem as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority to do these things? Let's read on. But Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one question. Then they answered, then answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they a reason, that argued, that chartered content came out, okay? The reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, you see that? What is which is going on? If we say from heaven, he will say, why then you did not believe in him? Okay, Then, but if we say from men, they feared the <laughs> people for all counted. They were all having a discussion. Okay, a few minutes, we'll just come back, okay? We'll have a discussion. What do we say? What do we say? We will say, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said, I also will not tell you. Simple. That is the reason why answer a fool according to his folly. Lest he think he is wise. That's the reason why he says, with the humble you are humble. With the good, with the upright, you are upright. But with the perverse, you show yourself shrewd. He is very shrewd. I will also not tell you. Let us examine this passage very carefully. First, then they came again to Jerusalem and he was walking in the temple. That's exactly what Jesus does. He walks in the temple. Who's the temple? Me is the temple. Hmm. Yeah. How does he, what does he do to the temple? Remember when they said, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Jesus is on the donkey and he was entering into Jerusalem. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Come, reign over us. Reign over us, Jesus. Reign over us. So what did they think? They thought that he was going to go to Pilate's, Pilate's palace and kick him out. No. But where did Jesus go? Into the temple. And then something very interesting in the Gospel of Mark is mentioned. Mark's Gospel chapter 11 verse 11. This is what it says about Jesus when he entered. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he looked around at all things, you see, when God is coming, he is looking at every area of our life. Yo. In other words, not even of, sin. that's what Jesus, uh, what David says, even if I bake my bed in hell, you are there. <laughs> if I take the wings of the morning and go away to the utmost parts of the earth, there you are there. Where can I run from your presence? So God says, you know what? He comes, Jesus comes and he comes and he examines his temple. He examines all of our lives. Every department, every area, every thought, every intention, every inclination. Every thought, every intention, every inclination, everything. is is looking. Okay. He's walking in the temple. So, that means what Jesus is doing, he's testing us every day. Do you know that? Job has this incredible brainwave and look at what he says Job in the book of Job, Job chapter 7 verse 17. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him till there you'll say, wow, great verse, look at the next verse that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment do you know every moment you're being tested do you realize that every morning you're being visited, you know what's for visit no pakad in Hebrew Pakad, no? You can just imagine. Pakad, no? Pakad. Pakad liya. (laughs) Pakad. Pakad in Hebrew. What Pakad means? The word for Pakad is, remember the word for Pakad, you'll, let me give you the verse for Pakad. By this time next year, I will visit you and Sarah will have a child. Okay, that's a picture of our new birth. Okay, God visited us through the preaching of the word, whatever it is, through visions or dreams or whatever could be the way that he has visited us, he visited us and he gave us new birth. And after he has given us new birth, he keeps on, why? Visiting us. He keeps on testing us. He tests us just not every morning. He tests us every moment. Is it good or is it bad? It depends. Okay, if I am going through a very tough situation good but if I want to have my own time uh, can you just give me a break Jesus no, every moment every moment, let me tell you something even your vacation is testing you what is it testing? vacations are dangerous No, I will tell you, especially when you are in school and you are in a position as a teacher you will understand why vacations are dangerous because we gave summer vacation to many of our students one and a half months, they will take vacation. After they come back to school, psh, gone. All, Mayam. it is all gone. Then we have to start from scratch. Everybody continues in its state of rest or of uniform motion, unless acted upon by an, this is uh, Newton's laws is applied there. Suddenly they're all, uh, multiplication is gone, division is gone, everything is gone. One week you give them a break. It's gone. So if I have my daughter, what am I going to do? I'm going to visit her every morning. But thankfully, I mean, thankfully for her, I can't test her every moment. But Jesus can will does not sleep nor slumber. <laughs> he tests us every moment. And you say, Lord, this is too much. Look at, look at, look at what, it say, what he says in Amos chapter 3 verse 2. You only have I known, you only, you only have I known, you only, let's read that together. You only have I known of all the families in the earth, therefore I will, the worst for punish is what? Pakad. visit <laughs> I will puckard you for your iniquities, I will visit you for your iniquities, no no of course I'm, when I am testing Abigail, I am not punishing her means, I am saying you know this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, this is right my goodness, little little things they forget and then you, how come you forgot this? I remember this is you, you, you need to take these things very seriously. Even when you are on vacation, it is not vacation from God. <laughs> I remember a bunch of pastors who went for a who took a break from ministry. Bunch of pastors, okay? They took a break from ministry. They went to the golf course. So when they're playing golf, uh, one of the pastors said, "You know, the Lord was telling me this." And one of the pastors said, "What? The Lord was telling you something? Please, this is vacation. We are not going to discuss about God." Hello. Hello, 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 hello. Vacation from God. There's no vacations. From God. Vacations are good. No? When I say these things, people get so frustrated. No, Baba. I know. The pain of vacation. When you come back. <laughs> right? It's such a difficult process to... That is the reason why we call it student orientation. Why? Because they're all disoriented they have to orient them back we have to orient, we call parent orientation student orientation please parents, orient your child first let us orient you that is the reason Jesus, God says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 these commandments, these things which I have commanded you, thou shall teach your children so you only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will visit you for your iniquities what are the iniquities? They are all arguments. How long will iniquitous thoughts lodge? What are iniquitous thoughts? Th- th- those words. The word for uh, uh, in, um, uh, wicked thoughts is iniquitous. one thoughts. What is one thoughts? Thoughts which empower sin. How long will those thoughts lodge inside of you? And I have to remove that because you are my son. See, if I, if I, if you, you my daughter, I'm so passionate about. So many things in her life than she is for her own life. So passionate. I have so many plans for her. I have my own earthly plans for her. Many times she will say, what is this fellow? Maybe she's thinking, I don't know. Why is he after my life? Why can't he just give me a break? But you only have I known (laughs) of all the families of the earth. That's what I'll tell my children, right? Look at what he says in uh Psalms 89. If his sons forsake my law, Psalm 89 verse 30, if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish or visit the transgression with the rod and the iniquity with, why? Because stripes, where do they reach? The inmost parts. There's a saying in Telugu, manchi mata, manchi Means, for a one, for a nice ox, one whip is enough. What does whipping do? It makes the ox disciplined more. If you whip a donkey, it'll run, it'll kick you actually. But if you whip an ox, suddenly you say, oh, I'm, I'm going, I have to go in a straight line. See, it'll re- realize that. Then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquities with stripes. Nevertheless, look at this. Nevertheless, I like this verse. Nevertheless, you should read these verses in context. Never just read verse thirty-two and put a full stop there. No, 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 no. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my mouth. Two things he doesn't do. He will not change his word for us. Just because we are not uh, walking in the straight and narrow path. No, 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 no He's not going to change his standards. He's not going to alter his word. He has exalted his word above all his name. He is not going to compromise on his word. See, the point is that I also cannot do it just because I have some weaknesses. I should not even dilute the intensity of the word of God even for my own self. Let alone for you. I'm not going to alter the word. I'm going to change the word. I'm not going to make it less pal, more palpable. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like Like the way they do with medicine, right? Why do they give capsule? Doctor knows it. Bitter inside. Okay, sometimes we can do it. But bitterness should be there inside. Should be honey. But when it goes into the tummy, it should become bitter. It has to change. So I will visit you. Okay. So understand this. And God is a God who comes and sees and examines our life. And He sees what is going on. It's good that He examines us. Because He's he's interested in us. He's interested. It's like a teacher... Who has a student who is not interested in his studies at all. But every day in the morning he will go to his class. The teacher goes. Not the student. I remember my now, My uncle Tauji. My uncle. My dad's elder brother. He had a student. Not a very good student. He was struggling. The young young guy. Young guy young, was struggling with sin. He was not interested in God. Always interested in play, 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 play all the time. So one day her mother came and came to my Pindana and he said, "Ayyar, please, please do something with my child. You know, from that time onwards, my Pindana took him under his wings. This guy used to run away to the basketball field. My uncle used to go there and wait for him. Playing busy, playing basketball and he used to wait for him, wait for him. Hi. I will not mention his name because he's the head of an organization, Christian organization now. (laughs) He's become a head. No wonder he he became the head of the Christian organization. He used to wait. Hello? Now he's a reverend. Okay. He used to wait for him. Wait for him. Wait for him. This guy's not even interested. You see? That's exactly how God does with all of us. I don't know. You know, sometimes uh, universities will say, uh, you're not interested, please go. But you know, God is not like that. He says, You're not interested. What should I do to make you interested? I'm gonna come after you. I will not utterly forsake my faithfulness, but I will not alter the word that comes out of my mouth also. So he's gonna visit us. Why? God visits his temple, and who is this who is this temple? We are. First Corinthians chapter 6, right? Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? And you have whom you have from God and you are not your own. It's his temple. And therefore, he has to visit his temple. Right? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. It says, the spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord. The spirit of man, the spirit of a regenerated man, of course, we're talking about the regenerated man. Because uh, the unregenerated man has no spirit. He's dead in his spirit. Okay. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. One, what does it do? It searches the innermost depths of his heart. In other words, it goes right down. The word for uh, word for "innermost depths" in the in the in the Hebrew is kidneys. It checks whether your kidneys are working properly or not. And what does kidneys do? They purify. You <laughs> see, like, like uh, last time you heard, no. Two things they do: reproduce and purify. Innermost depths searching all the innermost depths. He visits, he visits, he visits his church. He visits his temple. You you and I, and he visits the church at large. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 onwards, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is to the pastor. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks, you see that? Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He walks. And what does he do? I know your works, he says. I know your works, I know your labor, I know your patience. I know your works, but you don't have faith. I know your labor, you don't have love. I know your patience, you don't have hope. And what has happened to you? You. It says in verse verse 4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And then he says, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Lovelessness. So God is a God who comes and visits us and tests us. So Jesus is coming, watching the temple, and who comes now? <clears throat> Let us go back. now. <coughs> sorry. Uh, next verse, uh, Mark eleven. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and, and then, he, uh, then they came again to Jerusalem, and he was walking in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him, and they said to him, "What authority are you doing? These things. Let me tell you something. What do arguments do? They question the authority. What do arguments do? They question the authority of God's word. By what authority? No, the as I said, no. There are two things. There are arguments and there are high things. Now, what is empowering this argument? The fact that they are chief priests, scribes, and the elders. Who are they? Chief priests, scribes, and the elders. These are the people who think that they have some kind of a standing with God. They have a position, but they don't have authority. You see, this is a very important principle. Just because you have a position, doesn't mean that you have authority. Yet that you have the anointing. Because authority comes from the anointing was Saul was the was the king of uh, Israel. So That was only a position. And so he when when he knew that uh, David was with Samuel, he sent people to capture him. How many times? Three times. Everybody was prophesying, and finally he wanted to capture himself. He also started prophesying, and this time he became what naked before them. What gave? What empowered the authority? I mean, what? This argument, who are you? Who gave you this authority? The fact that they were chief priests, they were scribes and they were elders. Let me tell you something now. What is the principle over here? The principle is this. We gain a lot of knowledge from the world. And just because we are so knowledgeable in so many worldly things, it we think or we believe that we can question the authority of God. I've seen that many times. Look at this. Who questioned Moses? Was it? Miriam and, um, yes, fantastic. And then who else? <laughs> ah, look at this. No, Jude chapter 1 verse 11. Look at what it says. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and they perished in the, ah, gainsaying of Korah. What is Korah? Korah started. What is Gain saying? He's is arguing against the authority of Moses. He is arguing against it. It's very dangerous. Very, 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 very dangerous. And it is very subtle, as we know. No, we, like Pastor keeps saying, just because you're an accomplished fellow in the things of this world, somehow suddenly you have this, you have this part in your mind. Maybe God chose me because of my accomplishments. And just because of my completion, now I have the authority and the right to question God. You see, the chief priests and the scribes are the people who question God, but it says the, the sinners and the tax collector received Him. How did they receive Him? Gladly. They received Jesus gladly, but these people, they question the authority. You generation of vipers, the same message, who... John the Baptist. Generation, you generation wiper the same message to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the same message to the ordinary people. The ordinary people said, What shall we do? And what did the scribes and the Pharisees say? They sent people to John. Who are you? Who are you? You see, what is empowering the argument? That, what is empowering the argument is your position in the world. You see. Or maybe the position in your church. And the word for uh Elder is very interesting. The person who is grey haired. A grey head is a glory to man if it is obtained in the way of righteousness. Thank you. If it is obtained in the way of righteousness. Otherwise, please dye your hair. Yeah. Grey hair is a glory to man. They say, you know, in Leviticus there is a law. Thou shalt stand and respect before the hoary head. And when should you give respect to the hoary head? When he is? Obtained that hoary head through <laughs> righteousness. I'm, I'm telling you, know, you know, you should go to universities and you understand. Just because they are fantastic in mathematics, they will make blunders in theology. Stupid as blunders. And they are they can speak so well. They can talk so well about their subjects when I ask them about God. Stupid arguments. Gainsaying saying of Korah. You see, it's dangerous. Numbers chapter sixteen. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Koha, the son of Levi, the, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on and on. He was on that day, okay, and on the son of Peleth. sons of Reuben. What did they did? What did they do? Took men. Very interesting. Reuben. What did Reuben have? Position. Who had the authority? Joseph. See, And they rose up before Moses and some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Boy, oh boy. Showed up their PhD degrees. And their h of force. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said, "You take too much upon yourself. For all the congregation is holy." You'll see this argument in in the book of Job also. No, you think you are only the godly man. You should see. You should read it in Telugu. It's fantastic. Okay, you will just fall in love. Okay, it's beautiful. Okay, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his. He fell on his face. But these fellows, standing before God. Now, just because Moses was meek, it doesn't mean that he was weak. He said, you are talking about authority. Come, you fellows, tomorrow. We will see who has authority. What are they? They were men of renown. So what is the the problem with men of renown? They are against the spirit, my dear brothers. They are of the flesh, the men of renown in the flesh, but they are against the spirit. Look at what it says, the way the phrase, the men of renown, again occurs in the Bible. It occurs in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 onwards. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they were both children, and they bore children to them, they were mighty men who were of old. Ah, men of renown. And what are they? They are striving with God. They are striving with God. Men of renown, mighty men. You see, that is the reason why you know what Paul says. Paul, the most accomplished virtue also, during whose his days, PhD from the University of Tarsus. The two, the two universities those days: Alexandria University of Alexandria and University of Tarsus. He was the best, the prodigy of Gamaliel. You know what he has to say. 1st Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one, what? Deceive himself. You know how you deceive yourself? Just because you think that you are great. You have a great degree from this world. You think that you are great. So what do you, in the process, what do you do? You deceive yourself. If anyone, I'm not saying that we should not be good in what we're doing. No, 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 not at all. But that does not justify, or rather does not give us the right to think that we are accepted by God. Or we can question the authority of God. No, trust and obey. For there is no other way. Let no one deceive him. If any one of you seems to be wise in this age, what should he? Do, what should he become? Let him become a fool, that he may become wise. Why? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in his own. Where is it written? Exactly, the book of Job. <laughs> he catches the wise in his in their craftiness. See that? Let no one deceive. You deceive yourself. So what should you do? Humble yourself. I love this verse in James. You no, know, it's a fantastic verse. It's a beautiful verse. Okay, you can just kiss this verse if you can. If it's a, if it's got a it's a beautiful verse. Look at what it says, James chapter one, verse nine. Let the lowly brother Glory in his exaltation. But let the rich in his... Oh, 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 oh. So, the lowly brother has to glory in his exaltation. The rich brother should glory in his... Oh, he should glory in his humiliation. Today, I was humiliated. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what, does, what he does. You know, when he goes to the, uh, the the woman caught in adultery, what does he do? He lifts her up from her sin. And she begins to glory in her exaltation. He goes to the Samaritan woman and he, he speaks to her kindly. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoking flax he will not put out. He makes her comfortable. And he says, you know what? You don't have to live like that. You can be my daughter. And he glory. And she makes a glory in her exaltation. And then he comes to Nicodemus. And he says, unless you are born again. Hmm, and you become like a, a little child. And therefore, Nicodemus, you should glory in your what? Humiliation. You should glory in your humiliation. The rich man should glory in his humiliation and the poor man should glory in his exaltation. You see, that's exactly what happens to people who really are accomplished you know what God has to do. He has to break their pride. That's exactly what happened to Moses for 40 years. God broke his pride. And finally he said, you know, Lord, I don't know anything, Lord. I can't speak. I have a very uncircumcised lips and my tongue stammers. Think about it, no? (laughs) I like that. And you know what God says? Now you can glory in your humiliation. Your humiliation. Now I'm going to use you. You're ready. I remember the first time when I was uh, (laughs) translating for Pastor James in Telugu. Oh Lord, I'm mercy. I was humiliated. (laughs) And what did I have to do? (laughs) Glory in your humiliation. Glory. It was good. Otherwise, you will think that uh, no way. Glory in your humiliation. A rich man has to glory in his humiliation. Unless you, what did, what, what, happened? Look at this. Look at this. We'll give you two examples. Okay. One guy he was a tax collector. What is it? How did, how did people look at tax collectors? They humiliated them. They called them sinners and traitors right to their faces. And even when they went to the synagogue, they looked at them and said, "Oh, I'm not like these people. Touch me not. Holier than thou. Antiseptic." Look at what it says. Once again, Mark's Gospel, chapter two, verse thirteen. Once again, Jesus went out to be, uh, went out beside the lake, and large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And what did he do after that? While Jesus was having dinner, and what did what did Jesus do? He made him glorious, exaltation. You're going to sit with me now. Many tax collectors, Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples were, they were, many followed him and what did they say? Oh, they were very upset when the teachers of the law and when the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see that? That the low man, the humble man, glory in his exaltation and what should the rich man glory in his? Humiliation is exactly what happened to Job, no? What did he do ultimately? You said, listen now, I will speak, I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. You know what has happened? He's, begin to, he's beginning to glory in his humiliation. God has to bring all lofty looks down. That's what it says in the book of Isaiah. God shall bring all the lofty looks down. And what are the things he hates? Seven things he hates. What is the first thing he hates is a haughty look. A haughty look. A proud look. Got it? and what do happen what happens to these people they begin to question the authority of god's word but they do not begin to tremble that is the reason why he says in james chapter 1 verse 18 receive meekness but before uh, you receive meekness what should what uh, receive with meekness you should put away all superfluity of naughtiness the superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the ungrafted word that is able to save your souls And he says, put away all evil speaking and malice, etc. And and received like newborn babies the pure milk of the word of God. You see, these are attitudes. Okay, and what is the problem with them? We'll see the problem. Hmm? We'll come to the problem. Isaiah chapter 66. For all those things has my hath my, my, uh, mine hand made and all those things have been says the Lord but to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart and trembles at my words. see that let's go, go back to Mark chapter 11 now and verse 15 so they came to Jerusalem and then Jesus went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold what is the reason what was the reason they were so upset with Jesus what made them so upset Why did they come and question the authority of Jesus? What did Jesus do? It says in Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers. And he would not allow anybody to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught. What was the problem? The problem was was with his teaching. What was the teaching? My house shall be a house of? prayer and you have made it into a den of that is the essence of teaching my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it into a den of robbers, thieves he taught this is the essence of all teaching the essence of the teaching of Jesus my house, you and I are the temple of God shall be called a, what, a house of prayer not just to you and I, to the nations, but what did you make it into a den of thieves In other words, Jesus confronts everything in our lives that is contrary to the word of God. And The problem here is this. You see, deep down inside all of our hearts, there's a fear. You know what a fear is? If I follow Jesus wholeheartedly, I will lose. If I follow Jesus wholeheartedly, I will lose. This, This is a This is the number one stronghold people have. If I follow Jesus wholeheartedly, even disciples had that question. In Matthew chapter 19, look at what they say, you know. Then Peter answered and said to them, see, we have left all and followed you. What shall we? Always thinking about, you know, what is what is going to happen to me if I follow Jesus wholeheartedly? Even That is the reason why people don't come into the ministry. Why? Because they still want to have control over their lives. I will do this and I will also do this. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If I follow Jesus wholeheartedly, I will lose. This is the number one fear. And when Jesus begins to question all that and he drives out the the questioning of, you know what, I may lose, I may lose, we get scared. We don't like that. And who did he say to? He said it to the rich young ruler, right? Forsake everything and follow me? Let me tell you something. When you follow Jesus, you don't lose anything. I don't have to say this. You can exp- you will experience it in your own life first thing. And it is, it, is, it is one of the biggest lies of the enemy. The guy who, the one talent man, you know what he says? He says, Jesus, you are a what man? A hard man. You know, the gospel according to Luke in the parable of the minas, the one guy who doesn't do anything with his talent, you know what he says to Jesus? You're a austere man. You know what austere means? Tight, tight fisted. You're an austere man. You know austerity measures means tighten your belt. Yeah. When your income is low, what do you do? <laughs> you tight. I told you another the accountant in you comes out. You're an austere man. You don't reap where you sow etc, etc. He is actually saying, Lord, you are very very tight-fisted. You know what Paul has to say about this. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 8. Powerful verse. We all know this very well. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for, be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. How will he not with him freely give us all things? If you are a young man, young woman sitting over here, let me tell you something. You follow God. You will never lose. In fact, you will gain. Whoever loses his life for my sake, what, what what will happen to him? He gains it. But what does the enemy come to do? He comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I came to give you life and life abundantly. Not to steal from you. Not to steal from you. That's the lie of the enemy. That if you follow God wholeheartedly, you know what? I will lose. Behold, what manner of love? Look at, I love this verse again. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished among us. You know that the, the word for lavishes? He's just not a, he's not prodigal son. It is a prodigal father. You know, what is this waste? What is this waste? Why should you die for this people? What a waste. Lavished. He emptied the bank balance of heaven completely. You remember oh, when we, when somebody is going through a real health crisis and a father has to, he's got, he wants to do everything in his capacity to save his child. You know what he'll do? What he'll do? What he'll do? He will break every FD. He will empty his bank account. He will go and sell his property. doesn't matter what it is. He will sell everything. He will put it. Please. Sell. Please save my daughter. There's nothing more precious than the life of my daughter. You will go all out. That's exactly what Jesus did. He lavished himself. We never ever lose with God, my dear brothers. One of the lies of the enemy is if we follow God, we will lose. Actually, we will lose. We will lose face in this world for sure. And we are scared of that. What are you? Very difficult to say I'm a pastor. At least for the first 20 year, My wife used to think, why are you saying uh, I used to work in IIIT? What was my answer. Why are you saying? Why are you not saying that you are a pastor? Shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. Pastor, I'll tell something, no? A lot of people in the church and outside the church, they have a hey, pastor, huh? That is the kind of an attitude they have you also had that kind of an attitude. And therefore, you don't want to call yourself a shepherd. But what did Joseph say? We were shepherds. For shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. And that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Because you are afraid to lose face, you see. And now, of course, all my (laughs) credentials as a pastor, I will never talk anything of those things which I have left. Never. Useless, you know what Paul says? He's called, he says it's dung. If Paul says it is dung, what is mine? Worse than it. I don't, I can't even imagine what is worse than dung, okay? Think about that. What manner of love the father has what? Lavished. Lavished. He's not austere. He's never tight-fisted. He's just, that's how, he, that's how he died. How did he die? Like this. And what do, how do, how do, how are babies born? like this you put one finger there they'll hold it like this you put two thousand rupees like this you know every time you give a baby any note what does it do huh? it goes right there anything you give to the baby and then they'll say ah oh. that's how they do it no I, mean, I know when I was having making Abigail do something she would say I want this sound ah all the time anything with the baby For herself only. God says like this. He wasted himself upon us. He's not an austere man. (laughs) You see, when you, you see, God is not austere, is not an austere man, but he's a careful man. What is he? Very careful. You have to earn his trust so that he can entrust you with riches. He has no problems giving us riches, but. I believe in Jesus, Lord. All that you have is mine. <laughs> is all that your my, yours mine? First of all, is the first question you'll ask. No, all that you have is mine. And he also says, all that you have is mine. Amen. He says. <laughs> you see, but you know what? This is the greatest worry of many believers. If I follow God. I will lose. But let me tell you something. Unless until you lose, you will never gain. And you know what Paul says? All these things, I will count it as loss so that I may gain. See, Paul was a fantastic Jew. He will do never, not even one thing without gain. But he has his gain on the right side. Okay. He was a Jew definitely at heart. To no, in other words, I am going to get eternal pleasures and eternal rewards. I am not going to waste my life on senseless and useless things. See? You will never lose with God. And you will, I'm telling you, you will experience this only when you step out by faith. The hand of God. You will experience it. Alright? See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we, that we, Should we call the children of God? And that is what we are. And that is what he is. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. They don't know him. And what do they call him? You're austere. Very hard. Very tight-fisted. Very stingy. You are stingy. Maybe that is the reason why God is also stingy. with I don't know. You know, there's a word in English called pusillanimous. You know what pusillanimous means? Calculatedly you will give. How much is tithe? My salary is 1,45,000 rupees 25 paisa. 10% calculator. That's exactly what you will give. Round it off Nana. Not to the lower side. (laughs) Please. (laughs) You see, you are a calculator. You know, even banks round off onto the higher side when they have to take it from our pocket. You, you see insurance policies, no? 79 rupees, 34 paisa, 20, uh, 25 paisa, round off. Is it on the higher side or the lower side? You see that every time. You'll see every, every calculator. There's always on the higher side. But when it comes to Jesus and God, let us round it off to the bare minimum possible. calculators and the Pharisees were, they want that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's what it says in John's Gospel chapter 12, they believed in Jesus but they loved the approval of men than the approval that comes from God and therefore Jesus says, how can you believe if you love the approval of men and then than the that approval that comes from the only God You see, it's very difficult but if you come to God you will never lose, I am telling you something you will never lose your face the people in the world may call you whatever they want to call, you, but they call you just because they are in a low position. Simply, simply because of that. You see, what I, I, I always keep wondering, no? When uh, Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of that crime, what would have people in the house thought about Joseph? Hey. This fellow looks so nice and so oh, innocent. My goodness, this fellow is such a crook. They would have thought. He was put into the prison. Now, after that, even in prison, why, why are you here? They might have heard something. But of course, he had favor. But think about it. No? He becomes the prince of Egypt. Now, what did Potiphar and Potiphar household think about Joseph? It doesn't matter. You know what people in the, in hell will think about Jesus? In hell, what they think about Jesus, about you and I, when they're in hell, doesn't matter. The, the Pharisees who are in hell will still call him the friend of sinners and tax collectors and a glutton. Does it matter? Maybe the people in uh, Potiphar's household called Mo, Joseph that fellow was a chore he, does, he looks very so this, but does it matter now? His exalted position is so exalted what people say and think about them doesn't matter. His soul is the opinions of men. You know why? You've been justified by the court in heaven. It is God who justifies. It is Christ who died for our sins. Impossible for anybody to say anything about us. What says, what they say about us and do about us doesn't matter. But the problem is we all like to have our face. Lord, you know, when I, (laughs) in my Bible I wrote it, Lord vindicate me. I, some, one time I was really frustrated about something that was going on. I said, Lord vindicate me. Yeah, I will vindicate you once. I mean, the, the answer will come for sure, but not here. There. alright, we don't lose with God but the problem is with many people Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 30 as for you son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses and they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother please come and hear the word that is uh, hear, hear what the word is that is, what is, that comes from the Lord verse 31, so they come to you as people do, they sit before you as my people and they hear your words but they do not do them for their mouth is they show so much of love, but their hearts pursue their own game. They like their own game. They have calculators everywhere. If I do this, Amma, this much I have to give, I will not. Okay. There is a need! I mean, sometimes God does not uh, make His needs known to us, you know why? There's no use. You'll run from that place. Okay. Understand this. Look at what it says. Behold, you trust in lying words that profit, that cannot profit. You steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods. Whom you do not know. And then come and stand before me in the house which is called by my name. What? And we are, and you say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. And then he says, has this house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it. You see? Therefore the only way for us to overcome the calculator and the philosopher is by humbling ourselves before the word of God. With one attitude. You know what that attitude use? Mark chapter 11, verse 18. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared, because all the people were astonished at what? As teaching. That's what he needed to do. Astonished. Okay. Meaning what? They said, boy, if this is the authority, this is something which you have to surrender to simple, you see it doesn't matter how painful it might look it's only for a season Paul says you know the sufferings of this present world are not worth even comparing with the glory that we will receive one day and the sufferings that we are going through is storing for us an, a far more eternal weight of glory, you will never lose with God, you will never ever ever lose with God you give to God boy You don't know how he's going to give back. You can't even imagine how he's going to reciprocate. Only one way. Lord, I surrender to your word. To the authority of your word. So, How do you surrender to the authority of the word? Two ways. It says, Believe in the Lord and you will prosper. Believe in his prophets. See, that is the reason why these are very important. The attitude is not before God. It is also before the people who preach the word of God. See, that is the reason why he says, you know what? Those who are preaching the word of God, they should be considered for what? With double honor. You should esteem. Why? Because they care for your souls. See, you should get those, 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 those thoughts have to be very, very, very clear in our minds. Otherwise we'll keep on struggling in our lives. The scribes of the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him but the people were astonished at his teaching. His teaching, that is that we surrender ourselves to the teaching implicitly. How do we do that? Romans chapter 6. Likewise, you also, what should you do? Reckon yourselves dead. Now you also start doing accounting. How should you do? You account yourselves at what? Dead to sin, but alive to God. You account yourself, what? Dead to sin, alive, alive to God. So how do we do that? How do we do it practically? Verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So there are two options here. There's sin which is leading to death and obedience leading to righteousness. And if you want to have Something which is leading to righteousness. Something we have to do. Verse 17. But God be thanked. But though that you were slaves of sin, what did you become? Yet you obeyed. From where? From the heart. That form of doctrine. Where where does the doctrine lodge? In your mind and in your heart. Both has to change. Right? God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. In other words, what what is controlling my life is not the sin. But the doctrine to which I subscribe, that is controlling my thinking. This is what he says, I may not feel it, but I will do it. I may not feel that is right, but I will still do it. It has got nothing to do with my feelings. Facts, truth doesn't care about your feelings. I still do it. See, the problem is many of us, I've seen it over a period of time, many, many of us, when you read the word of God, you read it from the prism of your emotions and your past experiences. And you're looking for, when you're reading the word of God, you're looking. I'm, I'm not saying that you should not look for comfort. Okay. When you start reading initially, that's exactly what happened to me. You know, when i was reading the word of God, oh, this is comforting me. This is where God is speaking to me. But after a period of time, it is just not com- for comfort anymore. No, you know, after a while, you know what God does? He starts confronting. He doesn't comfort you anymore. He starts confronting you. We only like comfort, comfort. We don't like confront. Has many, many times, no? Oh, oh, God spoke to me through this, I was going through a tough time. But after a while, God says, You know what? Read the word objectively, not subjectively through the prism of your emotions or ex- or, or your experiences. And having been so what happens when you But God be thanked, though you were slaves of sin, yet you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered through. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. How do you become a slave of righteousness? Only by obeying. How do, how are you set free? Only by obeying. Understand? It is not just by listening. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free only when you obey the truth. Okay. When you obey, when, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Okay. Now we can, we can theorize a lot. Only when he Out, what happened? (laughs) He began to walk on the water. When you obey him, you will know it. Not just not when you just theorize and think think it in your mind. That obedience has to lead to action. You see. So the two attitudes very important. First attitude, let the poor man exalt, glory in his exaltation, and the rich man glory in his humiliation, and say, Lord, this is it. I surrender. To the authority of your word in my life. There's no two ways about it. <clears throat> Let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter ten. <clears throat> this is was slide number fifteen, okay? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. And how do we pull down strongholds? By taking care of the arguments and our attitudes. Why did Lucifer go against God? Because he had an exalted position, the high thing, exalted state. And then he said, you know what? I want to exalt myself against the throne of God. No way. Casting down arguments and the high things that exalt above the knowledge of God. So let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his strength. Let him glory that he glories that he knows me. (coughs) You know in Telugu, it is very interesting. It says (laughs) he has researched me and he has found me out. And then he says let him glory in that. So that is how you capture your thoughts. Saying Lord my attitude and my heart, and my mind, both I surrender it to you. Imaginations and the exaltations. So this morning, one thing we need to resolve. One resolution we can do. Every time we come to the word of God. Lord, whatever your word says, if it is true, I will obey. I will not argue. Okay? I will obey and I will not argue and then you will enjoy freedom. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. <clears throat> Father, we have so many arguments. Sometimes it's the contentions in our, life, in our heart, O oh Lord. It is not those who contend with you. It is those who submit to you. And therefore, Lord, I pray, Father, that Lord, you will grant us all the spirit of submission. Like your son, when he came to this world, he subjected himself to his own commands. He went down to Nazareth with, with his parents, with his earthly parents. And he was subject to them. And that's what you keep enjoining, all of us. That for the Lord's sake, submit to every ordinance of man for the sake of the Lord. I pray, Father, that Lord, that you take away from us the spirit of contention, the gainsaying of Korah, the thoughts in our life that if we give you everything that we will lose, Lord, enable us to prove by our experience, that when we have submitted ourselves to you completely, that through our lives, we will never lose, a oh Lord. On the contrary, we gain. Yes, we might go through periods of testing and trial. But Lord, on the authority of your word, we know, Father, that all your people who have submitted themselves completely and surrendered themselves completely to you have never lost That's what you told your disciples. Not in this life. In this life you will have persecutions but you will also have my presence and even in the life to come. Grant us the grace O Lord to submit ourselves. The spirit of submission which is in the sight of God. A very precious thing is what you said in your word. the ornament of a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit. That is how holy women of old adorned themselves by submitting to their own husbands like Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters you are. If you do this without any fear, the fear of losing out Lord. Therefore you say to Lord Father, submit yourselves to God without any fear casting all your cares upon him the worries of losing what will happen to my children, what will happen to my family what will happen to my future but we know Lord Jesus when we are with you we know Lord the people in this world have no future there is only one future our future with you it is for the future with God and there's afterwards, there's, there's no future alone. It is everlasting darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I pray for all of us in the days to come, we will clothe ourselves with humility. We will deal with all those calculations and computations in our mind. Calculatedly give to God. Enable us, Lord Jesus, not to know that you're an austere man, but you're a God who has lavished yourselves upon us. A stronghold of losing out. If we start with God, we never lose out with you. Rahab gained her whole life and she has gained a future when she came completely out of this world and was on God's, on the side of God's people. Ruth, Lord Jesus, she never lost. On the contrary, she became the mother, the grandmother of the Messiah. Because she chose, oh Lord. Father, I pray that you will grant us those spiritual calculators, O oh Lord, that we will know what it is truly to follow you, that we will never lose with you. Example after example, you enjoin us through your word. That we will never lose with God. Enable us to deal with those high places. Enable us never to choose convenience, O oh Lord. It may not be convenient in the flesh. But Lord, but Lord, in the spirit it is always liberating. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.